We thank you for this preaching moment. We thank you for the praise and the worship that has gone forth in your name. Now God is preaching time. And we need for you to do this hour only what you can do. That's illuminate our hearts and minds. God, take control of the reign of our emotions and breathe on us now. Give us only what you have in store, and that's preaching power, that preaching may be done. God, I ask for clarity. I ask that you would open the eyes of these, your servants. Open their ears and give them a desire to hear what the Spirit says to the church. And then, Father, we'll be mindful to give you the honor and the glory. And remember me that my feet are but clay. And my sins are many, except if you wash me, I can't be white as snow. So do it in me, Lord, one more time. Please, sir, one more time is our prayer. And to the end, all that's done, you'll be given praise for. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Grace and joy to you, family. want to thank you for being present today and thank all of our visitors for being present at the New Beginnings Church. We are an expository teaching and preaching church, and that means we believe in preaching through the entire book of the Bible, books and chapters at a time. Family? And we're so glad that you are here to study with us the Word of God. Our exegetical work this morning has us walking through the book of 1 Samuel. So if you don't have a Bible, somebody good looking will let you look on with them. 1 Samuel chapter 19 is where we will begin. So happy to have great people in the house of the Lord today. My brother and my sister are all the way back from Congo this morning. Dr. John Simbella, amen. Mama Lily Simbella, welcome home from the great Shiloh Church there. Great Shiloh Church. This is the parents of Brother David, you guys, amen. So we're so glad he's here. They're here for a couple of weeks with us, and he's going to be preaching for me, amen. I got work for you to do, Pastor, amen. Amen. And then my sister is here from the university. She is a great woman of God. Dr. Andrea McClellan, raise your hand, Sister McClellan, amen. She is an amazing, humble spirit, a great international leader in the work of the kingdom. I want you to get to know my little sister, Andrea, amen. So thank you for being here, amen. If you have 1 Samuel 19, somebody say, I got it, Pastor. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants, that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. So Jonathan told David, saying, My father Saul seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning, and stay in the secret place and hide. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are. And I will speak with my father about you. And then what I observe, I will tell you. So Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father. And he said to him, let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you. And because his works have been very good toward you. For he took his life in his hand and killed the Philistine. And the Lord brought you a great deliverance for all of Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. So why then will you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? So Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan and Saul swore, As the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. Then Jonathan called David. And Jonathan told him all these things. So Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in the presence as in times past. And there was war again, 
And David went out and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a mighty blow. And they fled from him. Now, the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in the house with his spear in his hand. And David was playing music with his hand. Then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he slipped away from Saul's presence and he drove the spear into the wall. So David fled and he escaped that night. Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. And Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, if you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you'll be killed. So Michael let down David through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. And Michael took an image and laid it in the bed and put a cover of goat's hair for his head and covered it with clothes. And when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, he is sick. Then Saul sent the messengers back to see David, saying, bring him up to me in the bed that I may kill him. And when the messengers had come in, there was the image in the bed with a cover of goat's hair for his head. Then Saul said to Michael, why have you deceived me like this and sent my enemy away so that he has escaped? And Michael answered Saul, listen to what she said. He said to me, let me go. Why should I kill you? So David fled and escaped and went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed in Nioth. Now it was told Saul saying, take note, David is in Nioth in Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the group of prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as a leader over them, the spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul and they also prophesied. And when Saul was told, he sent other messengers and they prophesied likewise. Then Saul sent messengers again the third time and they prophesied also. Then he also went to Ramah and came to the great well that is in Seku. So he asked and said, where are Samuel and David? And someone said, indeed, they are at Naoth and Ramah. So he went there to Naoth and Ramah. And then the spirit of God was upon him also. And he went on and prophesied until he came to Naoth and Ramah. And he also stripped off his clothes and prophesied before Samuel. In like manner. And he laid down naked all that day and that night. Therefore they say, is Saul also among the prophets? And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for your patience. I want to tag this message today. The Chronicles of David, part six. With trouble in the ministry, who can you trust? With trouble in the ministry, who can you trust? Turn to somebody sitting next to you and tell them, neighbor, there's going to be trouble in your ministry. You need to ask this question today. Who can you trust when trouble comes your way? I'm going to need your prayers through here today. There is evidence in this chapter, family that suggests that ministry to some people is just hard to do. Sometimes in life, God brings you to people to serve them who just flat out have it in for you. And they desire, Reverend Mason, to see you fail. In this case, David was called by God to be the new king in Israel. Because Saul had failed to obey God. And in the process of becoming king, the Lord allowed for David to serve Saul in his court, in his family, and in his army. I believe, Fred, that God was allowing David to see up close what the ministry of a king looks like. What, what the ministry of the king ought to do. 
and to know what, what you ought not do as a king of God's people. But unfortunately for David, his ministry has him serving somebody who wants to kill him. Y'all going to work with me today? I got a couple questions for you here, Reverend Greer. Have you ever had to serve somebody who can't stand you? Have you ever had to minister to somebody who wants you dead? Have you ever had a difficult assignment to bring you anxiety, anguish, heartache for simply trying to do what the Lord has called you to do? I feel my help up here today. Our text today reveals that when there is trouble in the ministry, you got to have somebody, Sister Morgan, you can trust. However, however, you got to be careful about putting all your trust to people that's around you. Am I talking to you today? Let me give you some of the background. Come on in here and listen to me. When we come to this text, we see an ungodly plan to murder God's man. Saul was not even secretly planning anymore. His feelings have been made public, and now the king's servants have been commanded as a job duty to kill their fellow co-laborer. Because Saul had been able to not kill David in previous attempts in chapter 18, Sister Carrie, his anger now turns into paranoia. And in his paranoid estate, his fear, yes, wants him now to see David dead. Fear is a horrible thing. Fear make you do some ungodly things, Lori. David in this text needs somebody he can trust, watch this now, who can deal with his enemy. Y'all in here now? And here we get to see David, because he needs some help, he begins to waver with what he believes God has called him to do. So he trusts in human beings. And we're going to learn today, Sean, from this text, how to deal with trouble in the ministry. Three things we're going to look at. Number one, they're on the point for you. We're going to look at what happened when David trusted in Jonathan. Then we're going to look at number two, what happened when David trusted in Michael. And number three, we'll land the plane looking at what happened when David trust in Samuel. I need y'all to put on your thinking caps with me. Are you here? It's a lot of scripture. Trust somebody, it's a lot of Bible today. So keep your text open. We're going to read it verse by verse. Don't make it up. Look it up, right? Verse 1, chapter 19. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan. Listen, his son, his son, and to his servants, that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, he delighted greatly in David. So Jonathan went and told David what his daddy said. And he tells him, now you go hide and be on guard until the morning. Stay in a secret place, and I'm going to go and talk to my daddy. You hide in the field, and as I speak to my father about you, I'll come back and tell you what my daddy said. Y'all in here now? And then the Bible says that Jonathan went and spoke to the king and asked the king to not to be angry with his servant David because David has not sinned against you. And because David's works has been good to you, verse 5, he says, Daddy, David took his life in his own hands. When he killed that Philistine for you, and the Lord brought you great deliverance in all of Israel. He said, and daddy, you remember, you saw it. And you rejoiced in it. So why will you sin against this innocent man by shedding innocent blood? Verse 6, and then Saul carried, he took heed to his son Jonathan's voice. So Jonathan thought. And Saul swore and said, as the Lord lives, I'm not going to touch him. Can I work right here, y'all? Notice when we come to this section of the text, there are at least four things that arrest my thinking when it comes to knowing who David should trust when it comes to his ministry. 
Number one, in verses two through four, sons and daughters, we see that Jonathan, the king's son, is not only a close buddy with David, an ally, but he's an intercessor. He goes to intercede on behalf of David because of an injustice. Are you in here now? But as we read the story, we come to stand to understand that not even Jonathan's love for David can protect him from the evil envy that's in his daddy's heart. In other words, Jonathan loved him so much, uh, uh, Brother Justin, he was willing to go on his behalf and put his own life on the line to talk to his daddy about his attitude toward his buddy. Y'all in here? And when Jonathan uh, does this, I believe it's because Jonathan believes that he can help David. Are you in here now? Jonathan thinks he knows his daddy better than anybody. But what Jonathan don't understand is that the wickedness in Saul's heart is even greater than him being a son to Saul. Can I unpack it some more? He touches Saul in a way that in verse 6, daughter, he says, I swear before the Lord, I'm not going to touch him. Did y'all see that right there? And it just goes to show you that, that when it comes to ministry, yes, you really can't put your life in the hands of people. David is trusting Jonathan because he loves him. But he has no idea that Saul ain't going to keep his word. Stay in here with me, y'all. The Bible goes on to tell us that Saul agrees not to kill him. And David, Jonathan takes David back, Sean, to be in the palace where he's supposed to. And then verse 8 happens. War came again, right? And David goes out to battle and he slaughters the Philistines and gives Saul the victory. And when he comes back into the house, he's playing as his other ministry was to soothe Saul in the midst of spiritual warfare. The text says that same old distressing spirit, the one that came from the law, was back upon Saul. Are y'all in here there? And Saul had a spear in his hand. And with a spear in his hand, Saul tried one more time to kill the man he just swore he wasn't going to kill. This is the third time. He didn't try to kill David with that spear. Can I remind us today that enemies don't change that much? If they tried to kill you before, they'll try to kill you again. Saul in his text looks like three people I know. You want to know who they are? He looks like the world who always swear they won't hurt you. But they never have your best interests at hand. He looks like the devil who always promises he won't kill me. But he never ceases to try to stick it to me. Y'all ain't in here. And then he looks like my old sinful nature. Because every time I let it get close to me, it turns on me. Anybody got the same problem? I'm my own worst enemy. I don't know why you're looking funny at me. Amen. You got the same problem. Can I tell you today? Jonathan meant well. He tried to fix the drama between his daddy and his best friend. He was a good friend who loved David. But Sister Wilson, he had no power over David's enemy. Y'all in here? Look, Jonathan was a brother who David could count on. He, he was a man of integrity. But when it came to this enemy named Saul, Jonathan wasn't to be trusted in or on 
when it came to Saul's dealings. Jonathan thought he knew David's enemy. He thought Mason, he could reason with him. He thought he could convince Saul that David was on the up and up. But Jonathan thought he could get David's enemy to stop his threats and not kill him. Jonathan thought because he was related to, to Saul that that would give him some clout to negotiate. Y'all in here? But he discovers he was wrong. Just because Jonathan loved David didn't mean he had power to deal with his enemy. Y'all better come in here. See, see, see. David's enemy was wicked. His enemy had some issues. And the enemy couldn't be negotiated with. This enemy was ruthless. He was scandalous, and he was out to kill David. A friend in my library identified as this. He said, Wilson Saul's problem was he was afraid of David. And because of fear, he was relentless. Can I talk about what's really wrong with you? You got a devil that's relentless. You got a world that's relentless against the Christian. You got an old nature that won't negotiate with you. It's relentless about destroying you. About taking your joy. About robbing what God has meant to bless you with. It don't sleep. It won't slow down. It won't take a pause. It's relentless. And it's trying to wipe you out. But if you ain't careful, you'll think it's the person next to you. You'll think it's the other culture. You'll think it's the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. But your, your enemy, you can't see. Oh, shoot, I feel my help up here. He bigger than you. He badder than you. Smarter than you. And been around a lot longer than you. Am I making sense here? And he means business to kill you. Can I tell you today that David made a mistake. By trusting in Jonathan. Watch this. To patch things up for him. Because Saul's heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, needed to be changed. It needed to be transformed. His soul, so his words could never be trusted because he was untrustworthy. Is there anybody here today ever thought you could trust an old enemy? Is there anybody here that ever thought you could trust somebody who once tried to kill you? You know, crack cocaine. Alcohol. Am I talking in here? Is anybody here that ever thought you could have your best friend to negotiate with you? Or for you? Look, the devil is just like Saul, y'all. He'll always make you a promise, but he's going to break it as soon as he can. Your own nature is like Saul. It'll promise you things that aren't bad or tell you that it ain't as bad as you think it is and that he won't hurt you again. But don't you believe it? You need to know today you can't trust your old nature. You can't trust your old nature to be kind to your new nature. It wants to destroy you. It wants to mislead you. It wants to assassinate you and kill you because it fears, watch this now, the new you in Christ. <laughs> I'm working hard up here, Johnny. I'm working hard. I, I, I can trace all your problems back to that point right there. When, when your marriage starts to go bad, somebody is working in the old nature. When you start hating the kids that God gave you, something wrong with your old nature. Are you listening here? Somebody been negotiating. 
with somebody who wants to kill you. In fact, the best way to deal with your enemy, y'all ready? Is let the Lord deal with him. Man, that's worth you coming. Can I tell you, don't trust your flesh. And don't trust your best friend to handle or negotiate with your enemies. Let the Lord deal with them. You might want to tweet this next one right here. Trust the facts. And the facts is your enemy can't be trusted. Oh, that's a good one right there. Trust the facts. And the facts are, Sister Rie, your enemy can't be trusted. Well, that was David's problem. David trusted in Jonathan. Let me give you this next one because this one really messed me up. David trusts in Michael, his wife. Now, y'all know I'm pro-marriage. Come on, child. You ain't, I'm more, more pro-marriage and I don't know any other person I know. Amen. I love me some Sister Wilson. Oh, good God Almighty. My wife in them high heels. Hey. 25 years and going strong. Somebody, don't hate the player, hate the. But I looked in this text and I got a whole new perspective. Y'all ready in here? Let me just let it out. You can't even trust your wife to deal with your enemy. This one really messed me up. I, I said, hey, hey, wait a minute, Lord. Wait, hey. Y'all can keep your thinking caps on. Are you in here? You say, I'm, I'm in here. Somebody yell, I'm in here. Okay, look at verse 11. The text says, the text says, Blackburn, so Saul, after David, he tries to throw the spear in him. He runs. He, he goes to his house. Saul sent messengers to David's house. Now, this is his daughter, David married. He sends messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. And Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, Honey, if you don't save your life tonight, tomorrow you're going to be killed. So Michael, watch this, she lets David down through a window, and he fled and escaped. And Michael took an image and laid it in the bed, put a cover of goat's hair for his head, and covered it with clothes. So when the messengers, or rather, so when Saul sent messengers to take David, she lied for her man and said, he's sick. And then Saul sent the messengers back to see David, saying, if he's sick, bring him up here to me in the bed, because I'm going to kill him. Y'all with me? That's my own version of it right there. Verse 16. And when the messengers had come in, there they saw the image in the bed with a cover of goat's hair for his head. And then Saul summons his daughter, this is the baby girl, and said, why have you deceived me like this and sent my enemy away that he has escaped? And Michael answered her daddy and said to me, he said to me, let me go or I'm going to kill you. Y'all ready to work now? When you come to this portion of the text, we find that David trusts in his wife as she helps him to deal with the reality that he must run from his enemy in order to save his own life from being taken by his father-in-law. First thing I noticed, Reverend White, is that she warned David that Saul was watching him And together, somebody say together, they concocted a plan to escape from his father-in-law. This was important because it also shows for us the beginning of serious trouble for David. Watch. For it's never all right to lie that good may come of it. I lost some of y'all. Y'all thought, what's wrong with her? She lied for her man. That was evil. 
God never ordains for you to do wrong that something right may come of it. Uh-huh. Can I say some more? Together they designed the escape. Now, what was wrong was the deception that she did to her father. It wasn't wrong for her to let him out the window and for him to escape at night. That wasn't wrong. What was wrong was what she did after the escape. Instead of just saying, he left last night. She put a dummy, a mannequin in the bed, covered it up with false hair. Y'all in here? Somebody tell somebody she was doing too much. <laughs> and when they came to ask for him, she could have just told the truth and said, he gone, he just left. But she said, he's sick. Thinking she's helping, trying to buy him some time. Y'all ain't in here. So they go back and tell the king that he's sick. The king says, sick. I believe he said, uh-uh, I know Michael. Bring him to me in the bed because I'm going to kill him, sick or not. Y'all in here? And then the Bible says, yeah, that when Saul sees her, he jams her for being a deceiver to him. Even though he is wrong in what he's doing, right? He is, yeah, quick to tell her, why have you deceived me? Now watch what she does. She lies to save her own neck. And the one she was just willing to protect, she now throws under the bus. Let me say some more. The truth is that sometimes, Reverend McBee, those we love trying to help us, they can infuriate our enemies even more than what they're already infuriated. Sometimes those we love can give us ideas and lies to accompany us, causing for our current trouble to become a lot worse than it already is. Michael, by lying, put her own life on the line. And it's easier just to tell the truth. David, watch this, was long gone by the time the soldiers had came to look for him. And again, all she had to say, Brother Jameson, was that uh, he's gone, he's run for his life. But listen what she said. He said to me, Daddy, let me go. Why should I kill you? In other words, she said he threatened to kill me. So I had to do what he said. She lied again. You know a liar when you see one, don't you? And a liar can't just tell one lie. My mama used to say that. If you tell one lie, you got to tell another one to cover up. Y'all had the same mama, huh? Michael, when called by her father, decided to blame David for the deception instead. Uh, what would I mean by that? All I'm trying to say, brothers and sisters, watch this now. This hurt me to my heart. She was a wife who couldn't be trusted. What a tragedy. To be in a relationship with somebody you can't trust. What a tragedy. To say you love somebody, but when you get scared, you throw them under the bus. What a tragedy. To declare I'm going to live my life with you. But when fear comes upon you, it becomes all about you and nobody else. Can I tell you sometimes that the, those closest to you can't be trusted when your life is on the line? Y'all in here? 
Look, they may not want to see nothing bad come your way, but if it comes down, Mason, between you and them, it's going to be you. Because Michael couldn't be trusted. My Michael thought of the escape. Look at this. She planned the escape. She let David down through the window. She made up the false idol. She brought the goat's hair or the weave, whatever y'all want to call it. She said he was asleep. She developed the whole escape plan. Then when she got caught for his escape, she blamed it on David. She was a wife that couldn't be trusted. Michael, like Saul, reminds me of somebody I know. <laughs> Y'all ready? She reminds me of the world. Can I tell you why? The world always tells me what I should do. And then when it comes time for me to suffer for what she told me to do, she always throws me under the bus. I'm talking about me. I ain't talking about y'all. You know what I noticed? The world won't ever take the penalty for my, for my righteousness. Just like Michael, the world don't want to suffer for me. Am I talking to you? Michael also reminds me of my old nature. She act like she cares. But she only cares for me to the point where it doesn't involve her to have to sacrifice for my new nature. Just like Michael, my old nature don't want to suffer. So my old nature will want to throw my new nature under the bus. Make me want to quit walking with God. Y'all in here? Come on, y'all playing church now. You know the old you will tell you in a minute. It ain't nothing to that Christianity. You was having more fun when you was in the world. Why are you still going down there to that church? You see how they treat you? You might as well just come on back. Am I talking to you? You might as well come on back and let's do what we used to do. <laughs> LaQuay in his old song says, right, we ain't got to be killing nobody. And, but you know, smoke a cool every now and then. Drink a brew every now and then. Y'all with me? You know how that old nature tell you, remember slow dancing in the dark? Kissing in the parties. Y'all know we was having fun back then. That's how that old nature will talk to you. Y'all acting mighty holy in here today. I know where y'all come from. You ain't, you ain't fooling me. And that old nature will talk to you at night. I, I like to say he got fingers. Sometimes he creeps into my dreams and brings back that stuff. Uh, I'm the only one, huh? Won't he take you down memory lane? And you'll wake up shaking your head like, I ain't, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. Michael represents the old nature who want to help you, but if you're going to get caught, you on your own. Am I making sense here? All I'm trying to tell you is that, that everybody here has got to experience the battle of the flesh, the fight between the old you and the new you. And you need to know that the old you never wants to suffer because of the new you. The old you never wants to experience pain because of the new you. The old you never wants to endure something that the new you has to go through. Even when the devil has harmed the new you, the old you don't want to put up a fight. Come on, talk to me. Mike, Michael told a lie on David to save her own life, even though she helped him escape from the enemy who wanted to take his life. What am I trying to tell you? Don't trust your best friend. Don't trust him to handle or negotiate with your enemies. Let the Lord handle your enemy. Y'all mighty quiet in here. 
Trust the facts. And the facts is your enemy can't be trusted. Now, don't nobody leave here saying, I can't trust my wife. That ain't what I said. Wives, don't go home talking about, I can't trust you. Pastor said, I can't trust you. That ain't what I said. I'm saying you can't trust anybody to deal with your enemy. Are you with me here? You got to deal with your enemy. Oh, shoot, I missed a bunch of y'all. Let me back up the car because I know how our understanding can get. If you have an addiction with drugs, your best friend can't help you get off of them. If you got an addiction with pornography, your best friend can't help you get over it. If you got an addiction with food or gambling, whatever it is, you can't trust nobody else to help you get off of it. Only one you can trust in is the Lord. Okay, so action neighbor, did you get that? Do you get that? Sure as you're born, somebody going to leave and say, mm, that ain't what I heard. David can't trust in Jonathan. David can't trust in Michael. He's running for his life. But thank God that's not how the story ends. Point number three, we find out that David trusts in Samuel. But it's not just Samuel. It's in the house of the Lord. Are y'all in here now? Okay, so keep your Bibles open. I'm almost ready to land the plane. Verse 18 through 24. So David fled, brother Ed, and he escaped. And he went to Samuel at Ramah. And he told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel, they went and they stayed Armstrong in Nioth. Now, it was told to Saul, take note because David is in Nioth and Ramah. And so Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the group of prophets, in Nioth, prophesying, and Samuel standing there as a leader over them, the Spirit of God came upon these messengers. And they also began to prophesy like those who were in Nioth. Let me unpack it right here. When we gather here in this verse, we see that David, running for his life, flees to the one place that he can fully trust in. Y'all in here? And that place is the house of the Lord. Woo! He runs to Ramah, where the temple of the Lord is, because he's looking for sanctuary. Oh, y'all missed He tried his best friend, and his best friend couldn't fix it. He tried his wife, and baby girl couldn't fix it. He finally comes to himself and say, the only place I know that can handle my enemies is the house of the Lord. Y'all in here? It's in the house of the Lord he can find shelter. It's in the house of the Lord he can hide. Under the shadow, Garcia, of the Almighty. It's in the house of the Lord he can find instruction for what to do in the midst of his battles. It's in the house of the Lord, Sister Mary, he finds someone to listen to him. So he runs to the temple in Ramah. Can I tell you, when all hell is breaking loose on your life, that's the time to go to church. That ain't the time to stop going to church. <laughs> Am I making sense? When he runs into the temple, he finds the prophet who is acting as the former judge and the priest and the prophet. And when he finds Samuel... He knows that God's man, watch this, will have a word for him in the midst of his trouble. 
Can I argue here for a word in the church? Can I argue for an expository teaching and preaching ministry? A place to go where you can hear the word of God. Listen, 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 listen. This is a great place to remind you that the word of the Lord is a good thing to run to in the time of trouble. The word of the Lord is priceless when your life is on the line. The word of the Lord is a benefit to you when you got nowhere else to go. Sister Dana, the word of the Lord in the house of the Lord is a necessity when you got a broken and a contrite spirit. Can I, can I talk to you here? Is there anybody here ever been in the midst of a trial and came to the house of the Lord and got refreshed because of the preaching of the word. Where the brothers at? Where the brothers at? Listen, the word of God will turn your heart in the midst of your trouble. The text says that when David ran to Ramah, look what he told Samuel all about the trouble that Saul had done to him. And then look at the text. Don't miss it. Stay in the text. Samuel took David. Y'all see that? And they went to Naoth. Let me unpack it. Naoth is a little bitty place in Ramah. Scholars suggest it was the school of the prophets that Samuel was overseeing. It was the ABI. That's the Angelos Biblical Institute. Where the prophets were being trained for intercession. Here I go. Y'all in here? Samuel understood that he needed to get David out of the reach of Saul. So he took him, Lori, to a secret place. The man of God knew to take action because the new king of Israel was grieved. He was troubled. And watch this. He didn't need man's words. He needed to hear from the most high God. Can I argue right here? Notice the difference between Samuel and Jonathan and Samuel and Michael. Samuel don't try to negotiate with Saul like Jonathan did. Samuel don't try to lie for David like Michael did. Samuel just simply takes David and ushers him into the presence of the Lord. He knew you can't, you can't reason, Reuben, with evil men. He knew, he knew you can't protect people by lying to their enemies. The prophet does what is righteous. He moves David, Brother Grady, to an area where he can be ministered to by the Lord and by the community of prophets. He takes him to Nioth, that secret place in Ramah. The sanctuary where the men of God spend their days and nights fasting and praying, interceding for God to work on behalf of their nation. That nevertheless place, it was the place of soul care, a place of solitude, brother deacons. It was a place of nurture, a place of security, a place where the spirit of God was transforming men. Samuel knew that David needed a place. He knew, Brother Nichols, that David needed a new beginning. He knew that David needed a fresh encounter with the Lord. He knew that David was the anointed one of Israel. And he knew that David had been ordained to be king. 
He knew that the oil of the Lord had tilted on David. He had been with the Lord and the Lord's hand was on him. So he didn't even spend time talking about Saul. Didn't spend time discussing his case. Didn't spend time planning a revolt or an attack. Spent his time in worship. He simply got him to Nairoth, a place where God could speak to him. I believe that David knew, yeah, if anybody could make Saul behave, it was Samuel. Samuel understood spiritual warfare. And so Samuel understood, ah, this is the work of the evil one. Let me take you to the presence of Yahweh, who has all power of heaven and earth in his hand. And then the text takes a turn for us. The Bible says that Saul found out, yeah, yeah, brothers and sisters, that David had ran down the Ramah to the church. So he sent messengers to find him. And when the messengers got to the place where David was, something strange happened. The Bible says that they prophesied. That word in the Hebrew is not the same word that you and I understand when it means to be a foreteller or one who is telling about some unknown event to come. In the Hebrew right here, the word prophesy is the word for worship. In other words, they came into the worship experience. Instead of doing wrong, their hearts got changed. They came to church to do one thing. But when the Spirit of the Lord came upon them, their whole agenda changed. They became worshipers. And they never came back to give Saul the report. So the Bible says Saul sent another group of messengers. And they came down to Ramah and found them in Naoth. And they too became worshipers. Y'all in here now? They didn't come back. And so Saul sent a third party to go get David and kill him. And they didn't come back. Y'all know why? They became new members, new members, new members. And they are, God was doing something big. And they are. And so when the last group of soldiers didn't come back, Saul said, I'm going to go down myself and see what's going on. Y'all in here? The text says that when Saul came down, he asked, had anybody seen Samuel and David? They said, oh, yeah. They down in Naoth in Ramah. The Bible says that when Saul, verse 23, when he went there to Naoth and Ramah, look at this. Then, somebody said then, the Spirit of God came upon him also. And he went on and prophesied. Until he came to Nioth in Ramah. Can I park the car and work right there? Before he gets to Ramah, remember he's got an evil spirit from the Lord. That's troubling him. And the evil spirit, yeah, is meant to destroy Saul. God has given him over because of his unbelief in Yahweh. But by the time he gets to Ramah, God then, yeah, look at God, moves on his heart. And makes the one who's a killer a worshiper. I wish I had an amen church right here. Oh, good God Almighty. God know how to turn your enemy into a worshiper. That's what's happening in the text. The Bible says when he got to Nioth and Ramah, verse 24, worship God so good he stripped off his clothes. Y'all missed it here. <laughs> and he began to prophesy in front of Samuel in the like manner. The God was on him so tough, he lay down all day, naked and all night before the Lord. <laughs> Let me land this thing. I lost y'all somewhere between Michael and Jonathan. <laughs> but I like to say this text right here, Reveals to me that David made the wisest move of all by not trusting in people and trusting in the Lord. Because it was in the house of prayer 
that God intervened against his enemy. God not only intervened, but he made his enemy, watch this now, bow down and behave. Come on, come on, y'all. Just shout, act like you're going to shout with me. I like that right there because it says to me that when I'm in trouble in the ministry of serving people, what I need to do is get to the house of prayer and tell the Lord all about my trouble. This text tells me, Tom, that if I pray about it, the Lord will do something about it. This text tells me that every spirit was made to worship, even the ones that's going against God. Y'all in here? And when God commands every knee to bow, every knee going to bow, and every tongue going to confess. From the White House to the crack house, my God has got all power. Your enemy ain't nothing. Just quit trying to deal with them and get to the house of the Lord and tell the Lord all about your trouble. <laughs> David handled this perfectly. This was the wisest move a servant of God could ever make. Can I argue some more? Samuel reveals to me what a wise pastor ought to look like. The man of God, first of all, listened to the request of his member. And then he took him to the secret place. Look here, y'all. He didn't try to fix it. He didn't come up with his own plan. He just said, come go with me to the sanctuary. In the sanctuary, there's an answer for what you're dealing with. Can I talk to you here? I got to leave you now. But here's how you defeat your enemies. Number one, quit negotiating with them. Quit telling lies to cover your tracks. <laughs> but use spiritual weapons. Prayer and fasting. Interceding with the saints to do what only God can do in the midst of your trials. I need to park the car and work right there. Because some of us got our degrees. And we think we smart enough to fix everything we're going through. Some of us have graduated from the school of hard knocks. We got a couple degrees and a whole lot of things. But we still ain't learned you ain't smart enough. To whoop your enemy. You ain't bad enough. To deal with your enemy. In fact your power. Don't come from negotiations. Your power. Don't come from philosophy. Your power to defeat the enemy. Comes from the house of the Lord. It comes from the prayers of intercession. That's the only place. Where God can whoop your enemies. High five somebody tell them, don't fix it, don't fix it. Just tell the Lord. Just tell the Lord. I got to leave you now. This thing is good to my soul. But let me empty my burden and get on down the road. Samuel, yeah, Samuel blessed David by taking him to the secret place. And God delivers, yeah, David one more time. He gives David enough time. To get a running start from Saul. Can I say something right there? Notice that God don't kill the enemy. He lets him live to chase another day. Some of y'all looking for God to wipe your enemy off the map. But if it wasn't for an enemy, you wouldn't be in the house of prayer. So God got to keep you with an enemy. So you'll keep your mind stayed on the law. Come on in here and talk to me. Some of y'all got more than one enemy. Because you need one. If you didn't have an enemy, you would never be in church. You would never give your way to the Lord. 
God got to keep us with some enemies. Because your enemy keep you on your knees. Am I talking to you today? I said, am I talking to you today? Won't your enemy make you pray? Won't your enemy make you push back the food? Won't your enemy make you cut off the TV? Your enemy will make you read your word. He'll make you come to Bible study. He'll make you join a life group. Come on in here. Come on in here. I said, come on in here. Because some of you believe that if you didn't have no enemies, you'd be all right. That ain't true. If you didn't have no enemies, you'd be worse off than you are now. Am I talking to you? But thanks be to God. I said, thanks be to God. God know how to whoop them. Give you a season of Selah. I'm closing when I tell you this. Closing when I tell you this. Jesus had enemies. And if Jesus being God didn't remove his own enemies but kept them around so the ministry of the invisible image of the invisible God could be lifted in the earth what make you think he gonna take your enemies? He keeps your enemies around you so the ministry can be elevated. Enemies is what keep you in ministry. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, like a warrior, used spiritual weapons. This one really got me, Garcia, and I'm landing the plane. Put your seatbelt on. David could have whooped Saul anytime he was ready. Don't get it twisted. David killed Goliath, not Saul. And verse 8, David whooped the Philistines, not Saul. The hit song in Israel was, Saul killed a thousand, but David killed. Don't get it twisted. In the flesh, he could have handled Saul. But watch this. He chose not to fight in the flesh, but to fight in the spirit. You might can whoop your enemy, Mel. You might can take him out back in the parking lot and let him have it. But that ain't ministry. Are you in here now? No, you got to fight for God in the spirit realm. Come go with me and look at Jesus. He could have whooped the Pharisees anytime he got ready. Wouldn't fight them in the flesh. Fought them in the spirit. He could have whooped Satan anytime he was ready. He created the devil. The devil didn't create Jesus. He could have mashed him like a bug. But he chose not to whoop him in the flesh. Rather, he chose to fight him in the spirit. Are you in here now? I got theology from my Bible. He said, look, man, don't nobody take my life. But I lay it down. And if I lay it down, I'll take it up again. He said, y'all can't go with me where I'm going. I'm going to Calvary. And in three days, I'm going to rise again. So when you see Jesus on the cross, you see him yeah, giving himself up as a sacrifice for you. You see Satan attacking the flesh, but Jesus is winning in the spirit. I got proof of my theology. Out on the cross with nails in his hands. And the crown of thorns on his head. He ain't crying in defeat. He says, Lord, 
Into your hands I commend my spirit. Bible says he bowed his head in the locks of his shoulders and died. And when he died, the earth went into confusion. Heaven went into mourning. And hell got happy. They took his body down. Placed it in the borrowed tomb. And early, I said early, Sunday morning, with all power, he rose from the dead. Didn't he get up? Stretched out on resurrection ground. With the keys of hell and the grave fastening his girdle. Whooping Satan, taking the sting out of death. And victory over the grave. That's my king. He teaches you and I. I ain't got no business fighting in the flesh no more. No, because I was a thug from Thugville. Come on, talk to me. Yeah, I likes to fight. Amen. I'm the first one in the party looking for the fight. Because y'all don't hear me. Amen. And I'm not going to let you walk up on me. I'm going to hit you while you know I'm coming. I'm a thug like that. But God says, Pastor, you can't be that way. When you fight for me now, you got to fight from the position of humility. And when you fight now, stuff going to move in the heavenly realm. And my goal is not to kill your enemy. It's to make your enemy a worshiper. Am I right? I said, am I right? God don't want to kill your enemy. He want to convert your enemy. I lost somebody right there. I got to leave you now. But this text here is powerful. It teaches us you got to trust in the Lord. Mother in my old church down in Birmingham, Alabama, Mother Washington had a favorite song. And it was, I will trust in the Lord. I will trust. 